By the way, as the offering's taken, a couple, and by the way, be turn to Isaiah chapter 43. A couple updates in the life of our church family. Y'all know that uh, with Jimmy leaving and with Jeff leaving, um, it's created pretty significant um, needs within our staff and within our leadership. Well, uh, I announced, I think, a couple weeks ago that Shannon Hayes coming on full-time as our pastor of Connections. He begins, I think, today, actually. So uh, we're excited about Shannon, and he, uh, that's going to fill a lot, of, a lot of holes, but there's still some other holes. Um, but I'm excited to announce today, now these are very part-time roles, but Alex Fields is going, coming on staff. Uh, he'll, he'll still stay full-time at the Athens College of Ministry, but just a, a very part-time role here overseeing our missions ministry. So it's, it's all the, the, the tithe money that goes to missions, overseas missions, caring for our missionaries, making sure that we're, we're on track with our missions emphasis and reaching the nations for Christ. He's going to give uh, staff support to that missions team that we have. And then um, Celebrate Recovery has really been growing. They average about 90 people every Friday night. And that ministry takes a lot of work. And um, we are pleased to announce, again, a part-time staff position that Phyllis Steinborn is coming on staff uh, in a more official capacity overseeing Celebrate Recovery under the umbrella of, of Jerry Kaiser. So welcome both of them. Why don't you all stand? Phyllis in the back. Alex right here. Excited to have you all on staff. Yeah. Now, we still have some pretty significant needs among our staff team. So as the elders are praying about this, please join us in prayer that we'll have the wisdom of God. We're not going to rush into anything. I've learned in 36 years of pastoring, don't make the mistake of just rushing into something and trying to fill holes. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Isaac of the Spirit. Don't create an Ishmael in the flesh. You know what I'm talking about. Abraham and Sarah got impatient. Because the, the child of promise wasn't coming when they wanted him. So they thought, oh, Hagar's the answer. Let's create a child on our own. Well, it was a child of the flesh, not the child of the spirit. And we do that a lot in churches and ministry and in our own lives. We, we create Ishmael's in the flesh instead of waiting on the Isaacs of the spirit. And so we really want to wait on the Isaacs of the spirit. Right, Steve Chambers, one of our elders? You amen that, brother? All right, good deal. All right, well, I'm excited today. Uh, this is a standalone message. We, we finished Second Peter, and uh, this is a new year, New Year's resolutions, a lot of talk about new things, and so I thought it'd be appropriate today to talk about God being a God of the new. Eight things that God wants to do new in our lives, and uh, Isaiah 43 will be the launching pad, but we'll go to a number of other scriptures, um, and I'm asking the Lord to just allow one or two of these to really kind of Velcro to your spirit today. Don't, don't try to apply all this, but just say, Lord, what one or two of these new things do you most have for me right now in my life? So be listening to the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And we'll, uh, we'll launch from Isaiah 43. You can remain seated. Isaiah 43, verse 18, it says, Remember not the former things. Now, this doesn't mean that there's not a place for looking back and learning from your mistakes or things in the past. This is not saying that. But it's saying this. Don't let the past write your future. God's a God of the new. And you may have some things in your past that you deeply regret. There's a place for saying, you know what? I'm going to not remember the things of the past. 
Instead, I'm not going to consider the things of old. Behold, verse 19. Aren't you glad that he's a God of behold? That means realize this. I am doing a new thing. Say new thing. God's a God of the new. Every day can be the first day of the rest of your life. And that's not just some trite, positive thinking thing. It's true. It's true that every day can be the beginning of the rest of your life. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now, today, January 2nd, 2022, it springs forth. Let it spring forth in your spirit today. Do you not perceive it? In other words, it's true. It's out there. It's available. But you've got to perceive it. You've got to grasp hold of it. You've got to claim it. I will make a way in the wilderness. You know, when somebody's in a wilderness, they feel like there's no way. It's dry. They feel like, man, there's no hope. God says, I can make a way in that wilderness. And rivers in the desert. Man, if somebody's in a desert and there's no water, if they saw a river, they would just go nuts. God is a God who can make rivers in the desert. All right, the first area that I want to talk about today, that God is a God of the new, and this is the most important one. Without this one, you can't have the others. He's a God of the new birth. He's a God of the new birth. Listen, Jimmy Carter didn't come up with the term born again. Jesus came up with the term born again. In John chapter 3, he's talking to this religious leader who thought that he had it all together because he knew the Old Testament and he was a, a, a Pharisee and he had people following him and he had the titles and all of that. And Jesus said, listen, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, what do you mean born again? How can I enter a second time into my mother's womb? Jesus said, listen, I'm not talking of being born again physically again. You're born, you're born physically the moment you enter this world. But what it means to be born again is having God give you a new spirit and a new heart because you receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Because listen, when you and I are born physically, we're born for the first time, but our spirit is dead. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Your spirit is sinful, separated from God, worthy of the judgment of God. It is dead until... You realize that Jesus Christ paid the price, shed his blood on the cross, rose again for your sins, paid the price, bore the wrath of God, and that the moment you repent of your sins and you receive Christ in your life, the Bible says in a moment, in an instant, your spirit is made alive. That's what it means to be born again. Your spirit goes from death to life. Your spirit goes from being an enemy of God to being a friend of Jesus. You're born again. You get a new life. You get a fresh start. Your sins are forgiven. You begin a relationship with a living God. That's what it means to be born again. Have you been born again? Listen, at 17 years of age, I was the most religious kid on the planet. My dad's a pastor. I was baptized as a baby. I was confirmed in the Lutheran church. But I had not been born again. I didn't know you could be born again. Somebody had asked David Holt, are you a Christian? I said, of course I am an American. I go to church, my dad's a pastor. Of course I'm a Christian. I had never been born again. Praise God, when I was 17, somebody took the time to share with me the true gospel of Jesus Christ and that I needed to personally invite Christ to come into my life, surrender my life to Him. And when I did that, I was born again. God came into my heart. He began to change my desires. I began to read the Bible and it began to make sense to me. My, my desires for things that I used to want to do began to change. God began to transform me. Why? Because I was born again. Have you been born again? I didn't ask if you'd come to church. I didn't ask if you're a member of a church. I didn't ask if you would claim to be a Christian. I'm asking, have you been born again? 
Has there been a moment, a time in your life when you've received Christ and you've seen Him change your life? If not, you can be born again today. That's the good news. The offer is available. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking on the door of your life. If you hear my voice and open the door, what does He say He'll do? I will come into you. And we'll begin a relationship. We'll begin to fellowship with one another. That's what it means to be born again. I love the theme verse of this church, 1 Peter 1.3. We are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's that born again experience that gives you and I a living hope. A hope that lives, a hope that's daily, a hope that gives you a positive outlook on the future. It's the reason we name this church Living Hope, because Jesus gives us a living hope. And it begins when you're born again. Now, the moment you are saved, there's another new thing that God does. It's called a new identity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Listen, when you and I get saved, we don't just get something we didn't have, as good as that something is. We become somebody we were not before. Let me repeat that. When you get born again and saved, you don't just get something you didn't have before. I mean, you do get something you didn't have before. You get forgiveness. You get eternal life. You you get a relationship with the Father. You get a new family called the church. But you become somebody you were not before. He literally changes your identity. You go from being an enemy of God to being a friend of Jesus. You go from being a sinner to a saint. You go from being a child of darkness to a child of the living God. You get a new identity. And I'm telling you, one of the things that will transform your behavior is when you realize who you are in Christ. Next to the filling of the Holy Spirit, there is no single truth in all of God's Word that has changed me personally more and that I've seen change other people more than the understanding of identity in Christ. Christ. Because the more you understand who you are in Christ, the more you'll want to live consistent with who you are. You do not live holy to become holy. You live holy because you are holy. You forgive because you are forgiven. You love because you are loved. There's a big difference in loving to get loved and loving because you are loved. When you understand your identity, you love others because you are already loved by God. And I'll tell you what the enemy does. The enemy will lie to you. He'll accuse you. He'll tell you you are who you aren't. You've got to learn to discern the voice of God over the voice of the enemy. Listen, Satan is not like Kirby. You saw Kirby at the end of the first half yelling and screaming at Stetson in that game? Well, he's the one who should have called a timeout. Why is he yelling at Stetson? Listen, God is not like Coach Kirby. Because God comes to encourage God comes to affirm truth and not yell and scream at you like the devil does. Now listen, this idea of our identity is so important that this coming Saturday, right here at Living Hope, there is this event called New Year, New Heart. And I want to really encourage you to consider taking a day this Saturday to just let the truth of who you are really transform your life. I love this event, and I love the emphasis this year because it's all about understanding our true identity in Christ. I'm going to be one of the speakers. My message is called A Theology of Our Identity. But watch this very short promo video from Marsha about this event and pray about being a part of this.
Hi, I'm Marcia Wilbur with the Athens College of Ministry. And as you explore what it means to be a new creation in Christ based on 2 Corinthians 5.17, I hope that you will join us this coming Saturday, January 8th, right here at Living Hope Church for a very dynamic day of learning what it means to live out of that new creation. Your own pastor, David Holt, will be speaking, and we're also bringing Mary Forsyth of Kingdom Living Ministries all the way from Dallas, and she is a dynamo, and we'll talk about uh, all of the ways that God has redeemed and continues to redeem. So please come join us. Um, if you visit the Athens College of Ministries website, look for New Year, New Heart, and make sure you use the discount code LHC40 um, for anyone who's affiliated with Living Hope Church. We, we're happy to extend that discount of 40% and hope that all of you will be there on Saturday. With that discount, it's only $21. And then if you also, there's the option of just doing the virtual participation. But it's our new identity, you guys. Praise God that when you become a believer in Jesus, when you are truly born again, God gives you a new identity. The old man is dead. Not just wounded, dead. The old is gone. If you're a believer, you do not have a sin nature. Can you still sin? Do you still struggle with the flesh? Yes, but that's not your nature. You can only have one nature. And your new nature in Christ is a divine nature, Ephesians 4, 24. You are holy and righteous in Christ. You bear the image of Almighty God. And I am absolutely convinced the more you and I realize who we truly are, the more we will live consistent with who we are. The problem with so many Christians today and the problem with so many approaches to, to Christianity today is it's all about behavior management. Churches and seminars and books, it's all about you just need to behave different. You just need to act different. And it's behavior modification, but it's in the power of the flesh. It's not about behavior modification. It's about knowing who you are and then living consistent with who you are. This is why Paul, in all of his letters, he spends chapter after chapter grounding them in who God is, grounding them in who they are. Then he begins to talk about behavior. But you do not behave to become someone you aren't. You behave to live consistent with who you already are in Jesus. Number three, as we go about this journey, we stumble, we fall, we backslide. Nobody lives perfect. We all have seasons of our lives where it's up and down and we sin and we, we struggle and, and we do things that, that we ought not do and don't do things we should do. It's the Romans 7 experience. Even Paul struggled with this. So what happens then? Well, I'll tell you what happens then. Praise God that His mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. God doesn't come to shame and beat you up. He comes to pour His grace and mercy out upon you when you acknowledge your sin. You're humble enough to say, I blew it. He comes to affirm you and pour out His grace and His mercy. Aren't you glad we have a God who forgives and restores? The Bible says that where sin abounds, grace all the more. Listen, the Bible is filled with example after example of men and women who have fallen and stumbled. How did God respond? Jonah. He completely disobeyed God. God called him to go to Nineveh. He went in the other direction. What did God do? God captured him with a big old fish and he repented and God still used him. King David. Adultery. Murder. 
Did, did God discard him? Did God treat him like Kirby Smart treated Stetson Bennett? No. God said to David, you confess, you repent, and I forgive you, and I'm still going to use you. Were there consequences for that sin? You betcha. The child born to Bathsheba through the sin of adultery, God took that child in judgment. There will always be consequences for sin, but the relationship can be restored because His mercies are new every morning. The Bible says, He who covers his sin shall not prosper. Proverbs 28, 13. But he who confesses and forsakes it shall find mercy. When you confess your sins, when you forsake your sin, when you bring your sin to the cross, God treats you like He does the prodigal son. Before the prodigal could even get out his confession, God the Father is running to meet the Son and said, let's have a party. My Son who is lost is now found. He comes with buckets of mercy and grace. Hallelujah for that mercy. And so when we confess our sin and we admit we've done wrong, God is there to restore us and forgive us, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. He not only forgives, He takes His scrub brush out and He cleanses you. He says, I remember your sins no more. I throw your sins as far as the east is from the west. And God says, I can restore, I can forgive, because I'm a God of mercy and love and grace. I think of Peter. Denied Jesus. Lived with Him for three years. Saw the miracles heard the teaching, sat around the campfire. And yet, at that crucial moment, Peter denies that he even knew Jesus. His flesh kicked in. He was weak. He was fearful of being rejected. And maybe crucified like Jesus was about to be crucified. Denied that he even knew Jesus. But what happened? He repented. God restored him. God forgave him. God filled him with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and he got to preach the Pentecost sermon. And God used him mightily, and he was willing to die a martyr's death, being crucified upside down for his faith in Jesus Christ. God is a God of restoration. I think of the woman at the well. It had how many? Four or five husbands. The man she's living with isn't her husband. There had to be incredible shame about that. And yet Jesus meets her at the well. Jesus confronts her about her sin, but then Jesus says, look, you've been looking to men to satisfy that thirst in your heart. I offer you living water. I'll give you water that will satisfy you like no man could ever satisfy you. And she tasted and she saw that the Lord is good. And she was saved and she went and told all the people about Jesus. I think of the woman caught in adultery. The very act of adultery. Can you imagine the shame of that? And they're about to stone her. And what does Jesus do? He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that woman was transformed. She was changed. And he can do the same for you. Listen, regardless of your past, regardless of your present, regardless of whatever addiction you may have, or you may have looked at porn last night, or you may have yelled and screamed at your spouse on the way to church today, there can be all kinds of things in your life and mine that make us feel like, oh, I'm disqualified, I can't do it. I'm a terrible Christian, I might as well just throw in the towel. No, God says if you come with a humble, repentant heart, the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse of all unrighteousness. His grace and His mercy and His unconditional love is there to meet you. 
and forgive you and restore you. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to the condemnation of Satan. God comes to restore and affirm and forgive you. And he says the past can be the past. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Praise God for his new mercies. Amen? Now, the other new thing, and I love this one. And I, I want to be a church that always challenges people to go deeper. I don't want to be a church that's a mile long and an inch deep. I want Living Hope to be a church where we're always going deeper with God. And the fourth area of newness is new growth. God always wants to bring new growth in our lives. New depths of maturity. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and this is really the theme verse for our transformational discipleship because we don't want our discipleship here to be just behavior modification. Do this. Be more disciplined. Read your Bible. Pray. Fast. Seek God. I mean, those things are all fine and dandy, but how are we really transformed? We are transformed as we behold the glory of God. Oh God, I, know, I want to know you better. Learning His attributes. Learning His nature. Learning who we are in Christ. Just beholding His glory through worship and through the truth of who He is. And then as we behold His glory, then what happens? We are going to be transformed. <laughs> and that's the word metamorphosis in the Greek. It goes from a caterpillar to a cocoon to a butterfly. We are transformed from one degree of glory of Christ-likeness to another degree of Christ-likeness to another degree of Christ-likeness. This is the growth. This is, this is going from a, a child to an adolescent to an adult. This is what Hebrews 5 says, go from milk to meat. This is the, 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 the growth that occurs as you mature, as you know God better, as He begins to transform your character. This is why I love referring to the Christian life like an ocean. There's water shallow enough for a little toddler to get in that sand and let the wave come up and they, they experience some of the ocean even as a, as a six-month-old or a one-year-old. But then there are waters deep enough in that ocean that even the most experienced scuba diver will never get to the depths of. That's what it's like in God. There's always deeper waters. There's always new things to know about God. There's always more of the fruit of the Spirit He can produce in our lives. There are always depths of maturity that we can go to in God. Where will you go deeper in God this year? Let the Lord take you deeper. Let Him give you a hunger and a passion. And listen, never forget, often growth comes through trials, pain, difficulty, even suffering. Look, I don't like this any more than you do. I wish it didn't work this way, but it does. This is why the Bible says rejoice when you encounter, not if, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect. That means mature, lacking nothing. And so this is why even in the midst of difficulties and trials and hardships can come new growth if, if we cling tightly to Him. And we hold more fast to Him. And we allow our weakness to cause us to depend more on His power. Now this is one of the reasons why we want to be a church that regularly provides opportunities for you to grow. We call these connect groups. And because they are starting, many of them starting this Wednesday night. I know many of you have already seen this video. But once again, we want to expose you, familiarize you 
with what begins this week right here, and these are our connect groups, so watch closely this video. Hey everybody, I'm excited to announce our Winter Connect group. These are great opportunities to connect deeper with God and other people. Most of them are offered on Wednesday nights when we also have our children and youth ministries. You're going to now hear a description of each group. Afterwards, pray about it. If you're still undecided, I encourage you to be a part of the Transformational Discipleship Group because this is one we encourage everybody in the church to at some point go through. Take it before the Lord. Make sure you sign up on the app. And if you have any questions, let us know. Hi, I'll be leading Transformational Discipleship, number one, and looking forward to us learning the the truth of God's Word, the gospel, uh, our identity in Christ, about the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. It's going to be a time of us all growing together and helping us become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I'll be doing a study on the book of Joel. It's a minor prophet with a major message. Joel sees the immediate and God shows him the ultimate. And in it, we have the outpouring of the Spirit that Peter quotes on the day of Pentecost. So I'm excited. Teresa and I will be leading a women's prayer group where we don't just pray, we actually listen to the Lord, help each other to listen to the Lord and share, get to know each other deeply below the surface and share experiences and hopes and dreams and form lifelong friendships. I'm leading a group on understanding Islam so that we can better love our Muslim neighbors, both here in Athens and around the world. My hope and prayer is that uh, by being in the class that you'll both learn uh, more about Islam, but also be equipped um, to love Muslims whenever you encounter them. I'm going to be leading a class called Living in Digital Babylon. It's an exciting class. In today's society, we're slamming into things that are non-Christian. The values that we grew up in are disappearing before our very eyes. Our political leaders are saying and doing things that literally uh, try to eliminate uh, our Christian beliefs. We're going to study from several great authors, Erwin Lutzer, um, uh, Francis Schaeffer, many other authors, and Chuck Colson is another one. We're going to pull them together, and we're going to see what the Scriptures say so that we'll know how to operate in today's environment as believers for Christ. Hi, Rachel Sims and I will be leading a group on Tuesday morning for women only, and we are so looking forward to this study from Priscilla Shiver, The Armor of God. Ephesians tells us, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Scripture will be used each week to learn about God's armor and ways as women we can be strong, we can be great examples in the world in which we live. Hi, my name is Jeff Peacock, and I'm here on behalf of the Young Adults Ministry. I just wanted to introduce our small groups. We have groups for both men and women throughout the week. We'd love to have you join us if you're between the ages of 20 and 35. We're focused on fellowship, community, and accountability. 
Women of Courage is a ladies' Bible study group for ladies of all ages. We're currently studying the Gospel of Mark using Precept Ministries' 40-minute Bible study series. We meet at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in the Generations Building, and we have room for any lady who would like to join us digging into God's Word and sharing the treasures of truth that are transforming our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, so sign up today on the app. Listen, this is a great spiritual buffet. Chow down and grow. All right, number five, area of newness that God makes available to us. New relationships. Now, I'm not talking so much about like new friends, even though that's a part of it, but it's more new depth in relationships. I think about the early church, and you think about the, 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 the greatest commandments, Love the Lord, and what's the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. So just as we are to go deeper in loving God, we are to go deeper in relational connection. And we see this in the book of Acts, right after they get saved on the day of Pentecost. It says that they devoted themselves. That means there was a commitment to one another. To fellowship, that's koinonia, that's sharing together. To the breaking of bread, that's communion, probably meals as well in homes. Prayer. It says they had all things in common. There was a sense in which they were meeting each other's needs. It wasn't just a surface relationship. It wasn't just a, a connection because they liked the same sports team or they had the same political beliefs. No, it was a depth of relationship. Think about it. Think about this. You may have a sense of connection with people in the world because of some of those other things I mentioned. Like you, you align yourself politically or you have the same job or whatever. But as believers, we are connected spiritually. We're in the same family. We have the same father. There's a sense in which our relationship should be much deeper than that of the world's. Because we can share with each other our, our hurts, our pains, our struggles. We can pray with one another. We can seek God together. We can grow together spiritually. We don't get our identity from our accomplishments in the world. We get our identity from Jesus. That means I can be open and transparent with you. I don't have to put on a facade. I don't have to put on a face. I don't have to pretend that I've got it all together because I don't. This week, I went to a new level of transparency with our leaders. I had this Zoom teaching, and I called it Leading When Weak. Because through this knee replacement surgery, I have struggled in areas that I haven't struggled before. And so I wanted to be vulnerable and transparent with our leaders and say, hey, I want to I try to set an example. Not that I'm the perfect example, but here's how you lead when you feel weak. Learn from, from some of the things that I'm going through. And so, and as, and as I shared some things transparently with them and where I was struggling, it, it, I, I was amazed at the response. There was a sense of a deeper connection that we had together. And it's like, it's like that verse in the Psalms that says, deep cries to deep. And most commentators believe that that's calling the depth of your spirit, sharing with the depth of another spirit. And that's what God wants. God wants us to be growing in our depth of relationship with one another to where we have so much more in common as believers. We're a part of the same family. And as you share your life, and I know there's a proper sense in which you don't just spill your guts to anybody and everybody, but as you're in a small group and as you develop deeper relationships within the church, there should be a sense in which you can be more and more open. And you can say, you know what, would you pray for me? I'm really struggling today in this area. And you'll be amazed at how that draws you closer to other people. Number six, God wants us to experience new fruit. 
The Bible says in John 15, Jesus says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. Not just a little. Jesus said he wants us to bear much fruit. That, that, and so prove to be my disciples. What's he talking about? What does it mean to bear fruit? Well, the Bible says there's two kinds of fruit. There's the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. This is more the, the fruit of you maturing in Christ and going deeper with God. It's, the, it's experiencing more, what does it say? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So that's the fruit that's produced as you become more like Jesus. As you and I grow in maturity, there's that fruit that's produced in our life. I, I pray that I'm a more loving person today than I was last week. I pray that I'm a more patient person than I was a year ago. I pray that I have more joy than three years ago. See, that's growing in personal maturity fruit. But then there's the fruit of godly influence on other people. When you share Christ with somebody and they get saved, that's fruit credited to your account. You help bear that fruit. That doesn't gain you greater standing with God, but it does say it'll be rewarded in, in heaven. When you give money to, to ministry, you give money to your church or to a missions agency, and that group reaches people for Christ. Well, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, that's, that is credited to your account. You're bearing fruit through your financial investment. As you disciple somebody, as you help somebody grow, that is fruit credited to your account. Rob Kalpak recently celebrated his birthday, and there's this beautiful post on social media with all these guys in his home celebrating his birthday, and they're all young men that he has mentored in some way. I'm thinking, man, that picture is worth a thousand words. Because that picture shows the fruit of this man's life that he's invested in people. God wants you and I to bear fruit. God wants you and I to have eternity stamped on our heart. To where we live more for what's going to live on after we die than for what is here just on earth that will pass away. Hello, eternal perspective. God wants you and I to be fruitful. When you spend time with God in His Word and prayer, that is spiritual fruitfulness. That's an investment in your own spiritual soul and walk with God. That is part of this fruit. How will you and I this year bear fruit for His glory? We've challenged you to embrace this goal for 2022. Disciple. Be one, make one. And many of you have already responded on our app, and I love it. We're going to get back with you. Don't worry. We're going to follow up with you. You just say on the app, I'm willing to to help disciple somebody. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't have a clue what to do next. But if you'll help me, I'm willing to, to maybe bring somebody under my wing. And you know what? Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool this year if God said, you know, Living Hope has all these people who are willing to disciple somebody. I'm going to bring a great harvest at that church because I know they're getting the nursery ready. They're getting the nursery ready. So that I could give them babies. I could give them new believers. I could give them new converts. Because I know that if I give that church new believers, they're going to care for them. They're going to disciple them. They're going to follow them up. They're going to help them grow. So maybe by your being willing to disciple somebody, God says, that's a nursery I'm going to fill with baby believers. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome if this year, every person in this church had the privilege of discipling a new believer? People getting saved, born again. And we say, man, we need somebody to disciple them. Stephanie, here's one for you. And here's somebody for you, Rob. And, you know, and here's somebody for you, James. Would you disciple that person? We've got the material already ready for you. Call Transformational Discipleship. You go right online. We give you the password. 
You've got the material. You take that person under your belt and you disciple them. Fruit for the glory of God. All right, how do we do all this, you guys? Do we have, do we have the, the capability on our own to do any of what I've said today? No. But praise God for this next new area. It's called new power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you'll receive power, dunamis, the word from which we get dynamite. You shall receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When does the Holy Spirit come upon you? The moment you're born again. The Bible says in Romans 8, if you have not the Spirit, you have not Christ. Ephesians 1.13 says the moment you get saved, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. The moment you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. He comes to reside, indwell you. But being filled with the Spirit is allowing the power that's within you to live through you and out of you. Y'all see my chocolate milk illustration. You get a glass of milk, you put chocolate syrup in there. That's the indwelling Holy Spirit. Every believer has the chocolate syrup in them. But not every believer is filled with the Spirit. That's when you stir up the chocolate. So that the chocolate changes the very nature of the milk. Listen, every believer is indwelt with the Spirit, but not every believer is filled with the Spirit. That's why Ephesians 5.18, Paul said, Be ye filled continually, moment by moment, day by day, with the Holy Spirit. It's allowing the power that lives in you live out of you. And some of you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to begin to realize what you have within you. You have the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's why Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How does He strengthen us? By the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Next to identity in Christ, the other thing that has changed my life more than anything else is knowing what it means to be filled, empowered, baptized, whatever term you want to use. I don't care what term you use because I'd rather have it and not know what to call it than to know what to call it and not have it. I need the Holy Ghost every day of my life, and so do you. Cry out to God, fill me, Lord. Fill me, God. Live through me, God. I can't do it, but you can. God, I can't overcome this addiction, but you can through me. God, I'm so scared to do this, but you can do it through me, whatever you face. The power of the Holy Spirit is what you and I need to live the victorious, fruitful Christian life. It's like this drill. Beautiful drill, looks real good. But if there is not attached to it this battery pack, it has no power. If I remove this battery pack, it has no power. Many Christians are living powerless lives because they're not connected and filled with the Holy Spirit. But when you allow that battery pack, fully charged, to do what it's designed to do, now this drill can do what it's designed to do because there's a power source attached to it that allows this drill to do what it's designed to do. This is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Listen, Christian, if you're truly born again, you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. Ask Him. Appropriate Him. Fill you. God, empower me. God, use me. God, live through me. This is why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. See, that's the transforming power of the Spirit. It's allowing God's life and God's power and God's presence to transform you, to empower you, to do what you're called to do. This is what made the difference in the lives of the disciples. 
How could Peter go from denying Jesus just a week before, about 10 days before, nah, maybe a few more, because there's, there's the denying, then there's the crucifixion, 10 days later is Pentecost. How in the world do you explain this Peter going from denying Jesus, being a big chicken, to preaching the Pentecost sermon and ultimately being willing to die a martyr's death? Because he was filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. This is why Jesus said in John 20, don't even begin to do this thing called Christianity until you are clothed with power from on high. You and I must be filled with the Spirit every day. Maybe that's the thing God has for you this year. That every morning, every noon, every 6 p.m., every 11 p.m., you say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Oh, God. Pour out your presence. Listen, Ephesians 5.18. Why would he say, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? Was he just randomly picking out some sin of drunkenness? No, there's a purpose in that parallel. What happens when a person is drunk? Now, I know most of you have never experienced this, but maybe you've seen this. You've seen somebody that is intoxicated. And you could have a very shy person, but when they're intoxicated... They'll stand on the table in the bar and act like an absolute idiot. Why? Because they are controlled and empowered by the alcohol. What do we call it? You get a DUI, driving under the influence. The alcohol is influencing them in the same way that a person is controlled and empowered by alcohol when they're drunk. Being filled with the Spirit means you are controlled and empowered. By the Holy Spirit. That's why he does that parallel between drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit. Because being filled with the Spirit means you are controlled and empowered by the Holy Ghost of the living God. And God can do things in you and through you that you could never have done yourself. Why can we pray for the sick and see healing? Because it's the Holy Spirit working through us. How can a very shy person all of a sudden become bold and begin to witness to non-believers? Because it's the Holy Spirit speaking through them. How can a person who never could overcome this habit or hurt or hang up all of a sudden get victory? Because it's the Holy Spirit that they allow to work in their life. Nothing you face is bigger than the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Nothing you face is bigger or more powerful than the Holy Spirit who lives in you if you're truly born again. The final area of newness, and I'm so glad for this, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get sick and tired of this sinful world. I get sick and tired of Satan. I get sick and tired of my own flesh. The weakness of it. I get sick and tired of sometimes how I'm prone to be lazy in my flesh if I don't let the Holy Spirit control me. I get sick and tired of COVID. I get sick and tired of relational breakups. I get sick and tired of rebellious this and that and the other. I just get sick and tired of this Wretched world. How about you sometimes? But aren't you glad that there's a final area of newness? It's called our new home. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And it's where you dwell with me forever. And you dwell with my people forever. And it's that place where there's no sickness, no Satan, no death, no dying, no cancer, no COVID, none of that crap. It's a place where we dwell with God forever, and it's, got, it's a place filled with perfect righteousness, perfect relational harmony. Satan is thrown into the lake of fire forever. All sin is removed. 
And we have this great adventure for all of eternity where we get to know God deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. We experience incredible fellowship with one another. You want to spend a couple hundred years with the Apostle Paul, you can sit right there and ask him any question you want. You can relive, I believe, any biblical event that you want to. You're in the boat with Jesus when he walked, when, he, when they were on the boat with the disciples and Jesus was walking on water. I, I believe this is going to be one of our experiences in heaven. You can relive any biblical event and it'll be just as if you were right there. It is going to be the most amazing existence ever imaginable. Listen, God could have made it where when we died, it's just all over. He could have. And salvation would still be amazing. That we get forgiveness, we get a new destiny, a new, a new purpose in life. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? But then we die and it's just all over. I mean, that'd be amazing. But he did something even better than that. He said, listen, I love you so much and I want you with me forever so bad that I'm going to create this place called heaven where you live with me forever. And it'll be perfect. And it'll be beautiful. And it'll be everlasting. Hallelujah be to God. Listen, you better know today that you're going to that place. And Jesus said, I so love the world. God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever, that's, all, that's, all, that, that, that's, a, that's an invitation available to everybody. Whoever would believe in him would not perish. Some will perish. Those that don't believe, those that deny this salvation, they will perish. Hell is real. I don't like it anymore than you do, but it's real. I didn't write the book. All whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. You say, how could, a cru- how could a God be so cruel as to do that? Listen, He's not cruel. He's giving you for eternity what you said on earth you wanted. Life without Him. You said on earth you didn't want Him. I don't want God. I'll live my, for myself. He's merely giving you for eternity what you said you wanted by how you lived on earth. But those who do love Him, those who are saved, and those who want to live with Him forever. He says, there's a place for you. I go to prepare that place. And I long for you to be with me. I'm not going to have people with me that don't want to be with me. That would not be a loving God. It goes against their will. He will never force you to do something that you don't want. Love never does that. That's called abuse. Love says, I'm going to love you and make this available, but you have to receive it. You have to want it. You have to respond. That's true love. And when we do, he says, oh, we're going to live together forever. And it's going to be an amazing place. And you don't want to miss it. (laughs) Praise God. The wretchedness of this world will one day be gone forever. So here's what we've learned today. And I just encourage you to circle one or two of these. Let's review them. There's this thing called the new birth available. And when you get saved, you get a new identity. <laughs> and, and, and when you blow it, there's new mercies. I mean, guys, how, it, it just doesn't get any better. What is there to not like about this? <laughs> and then you get to grow more each day. You get to go deeper in relationships. He wants to produce fruit from your life. He wants to give you an eternal purpose on earth. You actually, you and I get to do stuff that matters. That's pretty cool. And to provide the power for all of that, he gives you the Holy Spirit. And then when you die and it's all done, there's this incredible place called heaven. I'm really good friends with a man right now who may be within the last few months of his life. And his perspective is unreal. 
He so loves Jesus. Now he loves his family and he is grieving deeply because he knows it's going to be hard if the Lord doesn't heal him when he dies. But man, he loves God so much that it was like when, when they told him recently that he probably has six months or less to live, he was giddy. Like, dude, I don't understand. He was like giddy. It was like a whole new side of him. And he said this, he goes, I know it's going to suck for y'all, but look what I get. I mean, I was just like, dude, you're living the scriptures. I just, I mean, I love this. This guy is modeling eternal perspective like nobody I've ever known. Sucks for y'all, but man, I'm going to be in glory. <laughs> and that's true. That's exactly what Paul said. I'd rather go be with Jesus, but, you know, he was torn. Philippians 1, what do I do? So which one of these maybe is most for you right now? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Nora, I love it. Yeah. But don't get overwhelmed. Just maybe pick one or two that you say, for 2022, this is what God has for me. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your awesome word. Your truth that sets us free. So God, we just sit back and we just say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Listen, if you're here today, you're watching online, there's any doubt about your salvation, right now, from the depth of your heart, pray this prayer. God, I put my trust in Jesus. I put my faith in Christ alone. Come into my life. Take control. I surrender to you. Let's begin this relationship. All of us. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let us be a body of believers that love well you and others. That grow deep. And for all the right reasons want, desire to bear much fruit for your glory. And now, Lord, as we participate in the Lord's Supper, let this be a sweet time of worship and receiving just a fresh empowerment of your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we get to partake of the Lord's Supper because what makes today's message possible is the work of Jesus at the cross. The efficacy of His body and blood. His body broken, sacrificed, given for us. His precious blood shed, the blood of the new covenant. The blood that is sufficient to remove all sin. And as you come today, come and worship. This is for all believers. Anybody who's received Christ, this is an open table you've not received Christ, this is not for you. Make sure you take time to really let the Lord search your heart and come with sincere devotion to Jesus. You can take the elements and kneel here at the front. You can gather in little groups wherever you want or go back to your seat. I just ask anybody that's in our elders and our prayer team, if y'all would come first so that you're available to pray with anybody, they'll be available to pray with you if you have a need. But you come when you're ready. And let's really 
embrace that truth in 1 Corinthians 10, which says, we participate in the body and blood of Christ. I don't understand that, you guys. It's a mystery. Y'all have heard my sermon on, on the three views of communion, but I believe that there's a sense in which, a mysterious sense in which, a supernatural sense in which we participate in the body of Christ and the blood of Christ when we partake of these elements. So you come when you're ready. Thank you.